Well, uh, we are continuing. We're on week two. Last week, I kicked off a brand new teaching series we've just entitled The Proverbial Life. As for the next two months, we're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs. And uh, there's a number of things in the book of Proverbs just so powerful. It's a book filled with wisdom. It's God's wisdom for our lives. If you missed last Sunday's message, and I know it was a holiday weekend, so a number of people were away. If you missed last Sunday, I would challenge you to go back and watch that whole message. I think the whole message is really, really critical. But at least watch the first 15 minutes where you have a, a bit better understanding of what the book of Proverbs is all about. I kind of gave a setup for the whole book of Proverbs in that message. Uh, but what we see in the book of Proverbs is that it's filled with wisdom. It's God's wisdom for us. What does it look like to live out faithfully in God's kingdom, to submit to his authority? That's what it is. But I think we have to understand what we find in Proverbs. Because if you've ever read Proverbs, you understand there's all these little short statements through the book of Proverbs. And I think it's really easy for us to just think those are promises. But what we have to recognize is in the book of Proverbs, it's not filled with promises. What it is is principles of how things generally work. And so as we look at this, we are understanding this is God's wisdom. This is what God says. Here is the way that you should live. This is what is best for you. Is it a guarantee? No, because life is more complex than that. Sometimes you do the right thing and things still don't work out for you. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's how life is. But he's saying this is the principles of how things generally work. Wisdom would say this is how you should live. And so we're going to be walking through that for the next several months. Now, a question for you. How many of you are competitive? How many of you competitive? Competitive people in the room? Okay, some of you competitive. That's great. Uh, I'm pretty competitive. I'm very competitive when it comes to games. I want to win. Uh, and I've shared this before that me and my wife don't play a lot of games against each other because we're both competitive. And it can get really heated in our home. So we just avoid that altogether. But my guess is there's plenty of you out there, you're like, well, I'm not really, I'm not wired that way. I'm not a competitive person. But whether you're competitive or not, I think there's something that's true of every single one of us, and it's this, that we all want to succeed. Like, whatever we set ourselves to, like, we want to succeed. None of us goes into anything hoping that we fail. Like, that's just not the way that we're wired. Like, nobody gets their first credit card and says to themselves, man, I hope I spend myself into bankruptcy, right? You just don't say that. Nobody walks down an aisle and said, man, I just hope this thing ends in divorce. Nobody says that. We want success. And the Bible actually talks quite a bit about success. It's possible that you maybe came from an upbringing that said, oh, success is bad. You might get prideful. It's true. That's something we have to be aware of. But the Bible talks about success. And it actually gives us wisdom about how to succeed in life. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. And I guarantee you that there are people sitting in the room this morning, right now, you're here this morning, and right now you don't feel like you're succeeding. And if you were honest, you feel like, you know what, in some ways, I feel like I'm failing. Maybe I'm failing as a, I'm a dad, I'm failing as a mom, I'm failing as a husband, I'm failing in some other relationship in my life. Maybe I'm failing in my career, I'm failing in my finances, I'm, I'm failing at school, right? I'm failing emotionally, I'm just a train wreck, right? I'm failing in my own health my own physical body. I'm just not doing the things I should be doing. Or, or maybe I'm just failing in my faith. I feel like I'm so far below what God would desire for me. I think many of us can feel that way in our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at some principles of success. And what I love about the principles we're going to look at this morning is that they apply to just about everything. Just about every circumstance you can imagine, with the exception of one thing, Every circumstance, you can apply these principles and see greater success in your life. Now, one area we're going to talk about at the very end, so you got to stick with me for that one. But this message I'm going to proclaim is not going to blow your mind, all right? 
It's not. I'm not going to say anything this morning that you're going to be like, oh, my word, I've never heard that before. But how many of you know there's things that you know that you don't do? Okay. You guys know I love ice cream. You hear me talk about it all the time. I love ice cream. You know what my favorite is? It's Cold Stone. And my favorite Cold Stone is what? French vanilla with brownies. It's just so good. You know how many calories is in my favorite ice cream? Just the medium, not the large, because sometimes I get the large. The medium has over 700 calories and 40 grams of fat. I know that. And do you know what I do? Do you know what I do? I enjoy every one of those grams of fat when I eat it. Okay? They're all good. All 40 of them are good. <laughs> okay? I know I shouldn't eat it, but I do anyways. You have things in your life that you know, but you don't do. Okay? And we also have this, this issue that we have is sometimes we compartmentalize our lives, don't we? Where there's, there's like, hey, I'm good at it in this area of my life, but I'm not good at applying this in this area of my life. We can do that. And so this morning, here's what I want. I don't want you to bypass this message and be like, oh, I know that, Greg. I know that. I know that. I don't want to do that. So this morning when you walked in the door, I made sure everybody got one of these cards, okay? Got these cards. Hopefully you got a pen. If you didn't grab a pen, there's pencils in front of you. Here's what I want you to do this morning. Rather than try to just, oh, yep, I know that. I know that. I want you to think through the lens of your own life. And so on this card, you'll see at the very top of the card, there's a box. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write one area, not 10, one area in your life right now where you either feel like, ah, I feel like I'm failing a little bit or I'm not achieving this, the level of success that I would like in this area of my life. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Okay, maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's on the job. Maybe it's, you know, some other circumstance. Maybe it is your emotional state. Maybe it's where you're at. Like, maybe that's an area you're like, I'm, I'm failing. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Whatever it is. Maybe it's in your faith. Maybe it's getting into the word of God. You're just not quite there. Or maybe it's your prayer life. Whatever it is, I want you to write one thing in that box right now, okay? Over the next two minutes, write one thing in that box. And as we go through this message, I want you to listen to this message through the context of that thing, all right? And hopefully it will give us all something to apply to our lives as we walk out the door here this morning. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse number 6. Ch Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse number 6. And would you stand with me across the room as we're going to uh, read our primary text here this morning? It's nothing sacred about standing. It's just something we do around here to say, God, we honor your word over my words. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Turn forward to chapter 10, verse number 4. It says this. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Father, we thank you uh, that you can bring encouragements to us and uh, they are very proud. You're not, you're not desiring us just to think things. You're desiring it to actually affect the way we live. It's practical. And Lord, I pray today that you would help every single one of us um, to hear your word, that you would speak clearly to us individually, and that we'd walk out of this place with some steps that we can take to see greater success in those areas of our lives. Lord, we pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Well, scripture points us to a key attribute of success. And it's one of those things I don't think any of us is all that excited when we hear this word. The word is this, 
diligence. Mmm. Doesn't that sound like fun? Just diligence, okay? It's an exciting word that we got to deal with. Uh, But I want to give you a different definition for the word diligence than maybe you've heard before. This is the definition we're going to use today. Many small steps in the same direction. What is diligence? Many small steps in the same direction. It makes me think of the tortoise principle. How do you remember the fable of the tortoise and the hare? You ever heard that when you grew up? If you haven't seen that, how many saw a Bugs Bunny version of the tortoise and the hare? You saw that growing up, okay? That's a great version of that song. But if you don't know the story, what is it? You got a tortoise and a hare, they're racing. And what happens? The tortoise just goes out of the gates, just starts going, going, going. But the hare, he's fast, obviously, goes. But he gets distracted, takes a nap, goes off doing some other things, misses out. But the tortoise, what does he do? Many small steps in the same direction. You get to the end of the story, who wins? Tortoise wins. You say, why? Well, the, the, the hare dealt with the same problems that oftentimes we deal with in our own culture. And what is that? We are perpetually distracted, right? We are perpetually, there are so many things, we talk about it all the time, there are so many things that can distract us in our life. There's so many things vying for our attention. We could spend all day long on our phone just browsing and distracting ourselves with things that don't actually matter. We get perpetually distracted. So it's really hard to take many small steps in the same direction when we're always turning around looking other places. But I would say we have another problem in our life, and it's this, is that we want a quick fix for things, don't we? We all crave a quick fix. How many have ever dreamed about winning the lottery? (laughs) I have. I've never even played the lottery, and I dream of winning the lottery, okay? Like, we dream it. Why? Quick fix. Solve all my money problems, right? Just deal with it right away. We, we love that. We, why, we go on fad diets. Why? We know we just need to eat healthy and exercise, but we don't do those things. We'd rather just find, what, what's the quick fix? We love a microwave. I love my microwave. Why? Because it's quick. I don't want to take the time to cook something long. I just give me my food fast. I love that, okay? I'm a musician. Some of you know that. I'm a musician. So, Growing up, I, I played a lot of instruments. I sing, do all those kind of things. When I got to college, I was a music major. I know what it is to be diligent, okay? In college, um, I would spend three to five hours a day in a practice room. Practice, 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 practice. Day after day after day after day. When I didn't want to go there, I go to the practice room, and I work, and I work, and I work, and I work, and I work. But what I always found funny when I was a worship pastor, and so I'd sing, and I'd play instruments, and do that kind of thing, I'd always have people, and it still happens when I sing, people will come up to me, and they will say this, man, I wish I could play guitar like you. I wish I could play piano. I wish I could sing like you. You know, and I'm a nice guy, so what's my response? Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Whatever. You know what I'm thinking in my head? You could. You just didn't want to work as hard as I did, right? You could, because I believe this. Are there, are, are there giftings of music? Absolutely. But I believe everybody has some level of ability when it comes to music. They just, it's whether or not they want to work on it or not. Uh, how many of you remember the, the, the uh, um, game uh, Guitar Hero or Rock Band? Remember those? Yeah. Guitar Hero Rock Band. Man, some of you played, played that for hours. And I'll, people would always tell me, Greg, don't you love guitar? You'll be great at Guitar Hero. I'm like, well, first off, that's a video game. It's not a guitar. I'm awful at that game. But here's what I would say. I would say it would make me so nauseous when I would watch people play that for hours. Why? Because I'd be like, if you would invest that time in playing an instrument, you could actually play the guitar, like the real guitar, and play it the rest of your life. It would be amazing, okay? 
But that's what diligence is. Diligence is many small steps in the same direction. It's hard work. It isn't fun. It isn't the, the thing that we always wake up wanting to do, but it is something that is desperately needed for us. And so in that area, that thing you wrote down in your box, if you haven't already, make sure you write something down in your box. That thing in your box, if you want to see greater levels of success, it's going to take diligence. And so we're going to look at some principles of diligence here this morning. I'm going to have you write three things down. You can take notes on that card as well. Point number one in your notes is this. Make a plan. I told you, you've never heard that before, have you? Just brilliant stuff I'm sharing this morning. There's a verse found in uh, chapter 21, verse number five of Proverbs says this. If you want to pull that up on the screen. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. What I love about this, before I even dig into the whole idea of making a plan, what we have to understand is making a plan presupposes that you have a destination in mind, right? Because too often in our lives, we don't actually have a destination in mind. We're just kind of drifting. In our marriage, we're just kind of drifting. We don't even know what success looks like. We haven't even defined where we're heading. As a parent, we haven't defined what that looks like. We haven't defined in our finances what it looks like. We can't even make a plan because we don't even know where we're going. Think about it. If you want to go on vacation, what's the first thing you decide? Where am I going? Once you've defined where you're going, now you can make a plan. Now you can figure out, okay, how are we going to get there? Where are we going to stay when we get there? All that stuff. But you have to start with a destination. Where is it we are going? Once we've done that, you need to make a plan. Make a plan. You all know the cheesy phrase. Ben Franklin said it, right? If you fail to plan, you are planning to Exactly. We all know it, and but we do it over and over again. We go about our lives without really thinking things through, without having intention behind them. If we want to experience success, we have to plan for success. Are we willing to be diligent? Now, sometimes failure is from inaction, but I would say this, that oftentimes in our lives, failure is from haste. Remember it said, those that are haste, you're just hate. It's not that you're not busy, because I don't think anybody in this room would say, oh, I'm not busy at all. I've got nothing going on. We all are busy. We've all got plenty of stuff. The question is, is there any intentionality behind the stuff that you've got going on? Are you just hasty, just kind of doing whatever is you, just, just moving and reacting to everything that's going on? I think a lot of times in our life, we aren't acting, we're just reacting, right? We're just reacting to the circumstances that are around us. It's not that we aren't doing, it's that we're not doing anything on purpose. So rather than just spinning our wheels and being busy, can we have a plan? Can we focus on something intentionally? I'll say this. Sometimes we have a plan. Some of you are like, I, I've had a plan, Greg, or a plan. But sometimes you need a new plan because <laughs> you've been living a plan. You've been doing something. You made a plan, and it just ain't working. How many of you have football fans out there? Football fans? Okay. Okay. You understand this when it comes to football. Think about it. When it comes to football, a team comes up with a clear plan for the other team, right? They spend all week coming up with their game plan of how they're going to exploit the weaknesses of the other team. And they, go, they come and they start the game, and here we go. We're going to play. And they play the first half. And then what happens? Halftime. And the team steps back for a second, and they ask the question, is our plan working? And if it doesn't work, they come up with a new plan, say, oh, based on what they're doing, we're going to have to try some different things. In fact, the best coaches in the NFL are the ones who are best at making halftime adjustments. They're able to respond to what the other team is doing. Because how foolish would it be to the first half, nothing work, come out at halftime and go back out again and do the exact same thing, hoping something different would happen, 
right? You've all heard it said, if you, uh, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And right now, some of you are unhappy with what you're getting. Like you're not getting the thing that you want, but you're not doing anything different. You've made a plan, but that plan ain't working. Tear that plan up, <laughs> right? We need to tear it up sometimes. It's not successful. Let's try a new plan. Let's get some influence here and figure out what is the right thing that can make a difference in my life. Some of you here this morning, you need to make a plan. Some of you need to make a new plan. But either way, that's what it takes if we're going to be diligent. So what do you need? That thing you wrote in your box. Is there a plan that you need? Have you even thought about making a plan? Have you even determined where it is you want to head in that area of your life? That's point number one. Point number two, get counsel. Get counsel. Here's what it says in verse number 15, or chapter 15, verse number 22. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So you got a plan, right? I got this plan. Problem is, if it's only you on your own, it may not work out. We need people around us, right? Nobody likes to admit things aren't going well, right? I don't want to admit that I'm, that I'm messing up. And, and us men specifically, we never like to ask for help. You know, I know there's like the whole joke about men not asking for directions. The good thing is we have phones, so no one ever has to ask for directions anymore. But men, we don't like to admit when we're struggling. We just don't. Men will get together and we'll talk about, you know, the sports. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about fishing. We'll talk about whatever. But very rarely will men get together and start talking about the marriage that's struggling. Or will they talk about the finances that aren't working out? Or will they talk about their insecurities? We just have a tendency not to, to dig into those things. But wisdom would say this. Wisdom would say, you need counsel. You need counsel in those areas. You need counsel in your plans. You need other people around you. Why? Because all of us have blind spots. We've all got blind spots. I'm going to tell a story about my son who's sitting on the front row. I didn't tell him this, but he loves this story. And my kids love it when I tell stories about them because they get treats when I tell stories about them. So when my son was five or six years old, he was five or six years old, uh, we were at a friend's house. And, uh, and just to help you understand what's going on in this story, the, the kids are upstairs playing in the, in the bedroom. And this bedroom, there's a big bed, big queen-size bed, and it's one of those low-profile beds, and it's got the big base underneath of it. So there's like a big, thick, four-inch kind of frame around the edge of it, you know, that's sitting below, and it's got a big old corner right on the edge, okay? In the corner of the room, there is a chair and an ottoman, all right? And so I walk into the room just as my five- or six-year-old son, who just so you understand, he loved American Ninja Warrior at the time, you know that show, all right? So he used to do this crazy stuff, he'd scale walls, do all this kind of stuff. So I walk into the room as Levi is jumping from the chair to the ottoman, pretending like it's a trampoline, which it's not, and then he proceeds to do a front flip and land on his back on the bed and coming one inch from the back of his head, hitting the corner on the bed, okay? And so I walk into the room, and the first thing I said was, Levi, that was awesome, <laughs> Don't ever do that again, right? It was awesome because I'm like, dude, that was so cool. Don't do that again. You know what I'm talking about as a dad. Because afterwards, I said, get off the bed. Okay, can you, can you see right here? I, I had to show him. Look, but you were like one inch from cracking the, the back of your head wide open on this thing. He's like, oh, I didn't see it, Dad. I'm like, I know. It was a blind spot. You didn't see it. But here's what's happening in our lives a lot of times. We are one inch away from cracking the backside of our head open, and we don't even see it. We don't even know it. 
We're blind to it. It's a blind spot in our lives. This is why we need counsel in our lives. This is why you need, this is why I need people around me. We can't do this thing of faith. We can't do just life without other people around us. And so I don't know what you've got going on, what you wrote down in that box, but here's the deal. You are going to struggle to succeed in whatever that thing is if you don't have anyone coming alongside with you, if you don't have anybody encouraging you on the journey. Now, for every one of us, I think it's important for us to pursue people who are mentors. I got people, mentors in my life, people that I go to, that I share, that I talk about what I'm going through, to be able to get wisdom, to be able to glean ideas. Hey, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about that? To get that kind of wisdom. And some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't know if I have anybody in my life like that. Well, the good news is you can get wisdom from people you don't even know. I do as well. I, go to, I read lots of books. I get wisdom from people I've never talked to before, but I read the books. I listen to their podcasts, and my guess is that there are smart people who know exactly how to deal with the thing written in your box, but you're not going to seek that wisdom. You haven't been reading. You haven't been listening. You haven't been trying to get better. That's what we need. We need wisdom. And so even if it's some of you don't know, there is wisdom available to you if you are willing to go seek it out. But I'd say beyond that, one of the greatest places we can go is to the Word of God. How often are you getting counsel from the word of God. Because listen, he has something to say on just about everything. But so often we're just going to trying to figure it out on our own. But what if God has some wisdom for you? He's saying, listen, there is something that you can do in that area. I know how to help you in that scenario. And beyond going to the word of God, we know we need friends and we need relationships around us that can encourage us. Now some of you are like, I got friends. I got the friends. We love to hang out. We have fun together. Yeah, I question. Do you have friends that point you to Jesus? Do you have friends that challenge you? that can call out your junk when you're going inside. Like when you're about to crack your head open, they actually will say something rather than laugh at you. Like, do you have those people in your life? If you don't, guess what? It takes an intentional step to get there. You don't stumble into good relationships. It requires effort. Sometimes we're sitting around waiting for somebody. I shared this a few months ago. We're waiting for somebody else to be our friend. Maybe you need to go begin to be the friend for somebody else. Go help somebody else in their blind spots. Go, Go care for them. Build a relationship with someone. That's why we do small groups around here through the summer. We got like 300 people in our small groups. This fall, we're going to be launching new small groups again, an opportunity. And if you have not stepped in, this is something that you need. We need believers around us, not just relationships. We need believers who are pointing us in the right direction, encouraging us in our faith so that we can see greater success in the areas that we are trying to work toward. And so that thing, whatever that box is, are you getting counsel in that area? Have you ever got counsel in that area? All right. Number three. Start. Told you. The mind-blowing kind of stuff today. Start. Okay. How many remember this guy? Who is that? Mater. Toe Mater. All right. Yeah, buddy. All right. If you don't know who this is, this is from the Cars movies back, you know, you know 10, 20 years ago, something like that. Cars movies. It makes me feel old. That was almost 20 years ago. Holy cow. Uh, anyways, these, Mater would, uh, he would go around. He was kind of a crazy guy, but he would tell stories a lot of times. He'd, he'd tell these big, crazy, over-the-top stories, and, and a lot of times people would respond and say, you didn't do that. And his response was, I could have. I could have. You're right. You could have. It says this in Proverbs uh, 14, verse 23 says this, all hard work leads to profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. 
I think for a lot of us, it's really easy to get into this place where we talk. We talk about stuff. And I'm going to just say, I can be guilty of this. I'm a creative guy. I can have lots of ideas. And the result is I can have lots of ideas that I talk about and don't actually do something. Okay? But talk doesn't do anything. How many of you know sometimes when we talk, we actually feel like we've done something even though we haven't? Right? You've talked. Well, I talked about it. Great. You have to do something. There is no difference between talking and not talking. There's a difference between doing and talking. Walt Disney uh, said it this way. He said, the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. And the brilliant theologian Greg Linz said this, too often in life we fail not because we can't, but because we don't. It's not because we can't. It's not that you can't eat healthy. It's that you don't. It's not that you can't have a good marriage. It's just that you don't put the effort in. It's not that you can't be a better father. It's that you don't care for your kids. You don't spend time with your kids. It's not that you can't have your finances in a healthier place than they are. It's that you don't do the hard work to control your own spending, right? It's not that you can't do a lot of things. It's that you don't do them. And this is why we say, what's one of the easiest things? Start. Stop talking about the thing. Because some of you have been talking about an issue. It's been there for years and years and years, and you never do anything about it. (laughs) Start. Whether it's analysis, paralysis, or it's just plain laziness, sometimes we just need to start. But notice that I didn't say start your plan. I could have said that. Start your plan. Make a plan, get some counsel, and then start your plan. I'm making it more simple than this. Because some of you are like, I don't even have a plan yet. Well, do something. (laughs) Start something. Start moving. Because that thing you've been talking about, you've almost become paralyzed because you've talked about it so long without doing anything that you feel like you're stuck there. Start something. Start moving. Because it's easier to redirect a moving object than it is to get something moving. Right? So start. What does that look like? I don't know. Maybe you need to take a step. Take some first step in some way. Now, some of you, the reason that you're not doing the thing, like you know the thing, but you're not doing anything about it is because you did start one day and you failed and you kind of feel stuck there. Or maybe you, you did the thing, like you started and then you had some success and then you failed. <laughs> and now you regret, I mean, I wish I was back where I had succeeded, you know. I'll be honest, I had something like that happen this year. Back in like October, November, I decided... I want to get stronger. That's what I want. I want to to start lifting weights. I'm going to get stronger. And so for about four or five months, I was lifting about three days a week, and I got as strong as I've ever been in my life. I know for you, it's like, whoa, he clearly so ripped. (laughs) Whatever. It's relative. It is relative. Relative to what I was, uh, I was as strong as I had ever been. I had gained about six pounds of muscle, which for me is a lot of weight. And, I, and I, you couldn't see it, but I could see it like, whoa, I'm starting to thicken up here a little bit. This is awesome. And then I got distracted. And some stuff happened, and I kind of fell off for several months. And about two weeks ago, I went back to the gym to lift, and it was so depressing. Like, seriously, I was like 25 pounds lighter on some of the weights because I just couldn't do what I was able to do even four months ago. And I was in this place where it's easy to just say, oh, if I, oh, if I hadn't have stopped, I would still be there. And the result is, I can't change that. There's nothing I can do to go back there. I did it. I did what I did. And I, I didn't do what I didn't do. Right? So the choice is, what am I going to do now? Am I going to restart? Or am I going to say, up? Oh, I already failed. I'm going to move on. 
That's the choice that I have. It's the choice that you have. And some of you are sitting there right now because you've had some success or you've failed in some way and you're sitting there and like, oh, I wish I was back there. I wish I was in a healthier place like I used to be. Can't change that. I wish you hadn't, same, I wish I hadn't stopped lifting. Great, that's life. The question is, are we, gonna, are we gonna restart? Are we willing to do that? And what does it take to restart? What does it take to start it? Start, it, it requires us to stop having excuses. Because it's really easy to have excuses. I can't, I'm not good enough. What if I fail? Or it's, it's easy to stop, uh, you know, because they're like, oh, this isn't the perfect time or this isn't the perfect circumstance. Sometimes we just got to say, I don't care. It's not the perfect time. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even necessarily have a plan yet. I'm just going to start doing something. Start moving towards something, right? Not allowing that thing to hold us captive as it have. I don't know what that thing is in your life. What's in that box? That area you want to see greater success. Stop talking about it. Stop just thinking about it. Start. Do something. Maybe you could start a new journey today. I want to get to our big so what. So what we say, so what, what's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else I share here today, I want you to remember this. Is that lasting success is incremental. Lasting success is incremental. We think about success as being this is like, oh, just suddenly all this amazing stuff happened all at once. No, it's incremental. I wrote this years ago, and I just think this is so true. Most often, success doesn't come from the sensational, but from the ordinary, the mundane, the consistent step you take when no one else is looking. I hate feet. (laughs) Feet are gross. All feet are gross. You might think you have cute feet. You don't. You're wrong. Feet are gross. Okay, but I saw this picture years ago, and I love this picture. Yeah, this is a ballerina. It says everyone wants to be successful until they see what it actually takes. And I love this because it's a ballerina because everybody sees the ballerina foot like this, all wrapped up with pretty silk and the lace and the whatever. That's all they see. They don't see the the bloodied up, bandaged. There's a toe, a nail missing. Like this is disgusting. It's all bruised and gross. They don't see that stuff. And this is what success oftentimes is, right? It's hard work. That thing you wrote in your box, there is success available to you. It's just going to take hard work. Like there is no quick way to getting there. You cannot microwave your marriage. You know, I wish we had a healthy marriage. Good. It's going to take work. Like every day, waking up and dying to yourself and serving your spouse. That's what it's going to take. You, you can't microwave your finances. You can't microwave your career. You can't microwave your faith. It requires daily taking many steps in the same direction. That's what diligence looks like. You know the phrase. I've heard it said that, that we overestimate what we can do in a week, but we underestimate what we can do in a year. And it's 100% true. And so I asked the question, what would happen? What would it look like if today you would, you would look at that thing written in your box? And what if you began a new journey today? Where could you be six months from now? Where could you be a year from now if you applied God's wisdom for diligence toward that thing? Don't try to do a thousand things, but try to do that thing. I shared a message similar to this years ago. And one of the principles that I talked about was uh, take responsibility for what you can control. There's a lot of things in life that you can't control, but we can take responsibility for the things that we can control. And there was a couple that was in that message 
that at the time, they had gotten to the point where they realized, you know what, our, um, you know, our health is the thing that's gotten out of control, and we haven't done anything about it, and we need to do something about it. And so they got to this point where they, uh, they decided, you know, we're going to engage. We're going we're gonna to do everything that we can. And they came to me about six months later. He said, hey, Greg, remember that message you preached? And I remembered seeing him. I'm like, whoa, you guys look amazing. What in the world's happened? They're like, yeah, we, for the last six months, we've worked really, really hard. We've decided we're going to take responsibility for what we can control. And in six months, we've lost 130 pounds together. And it was a crazy amount. Now, is this message about, you know, weight loss? No. Could be, but that's not what it's about. The reason I tell you this story is that six months, just six months of diligence saw a massive change in their life. And so what is it for you? What's the area in your life that you would love to see some greater success? Because God has given us his wisdom to say, here's some things you can do. Here's some principles that you can follow that can help you walk down a path of success. But are you willing to put in the work? There's some of you here that are reaping the benefits of years of diligence. Some of you, you are at a place in life where you know what? Your relationships are healthy. Your finances are healthy, right? Your, your relationship with God is healthy. Those things are healthy because of years and years of diligence. But I also know that there's probably some of you that are reaping the consequences of a lack of diligence. Here's the deal. We start today. It's a new day. It's a beautiful gift. His mercies are new every morning. And so today is a new day. So for you, you can't worry about the past because you can't change the past. What we can affect is what are we going to do today and moving forward. And so for every single one of us, here's my challenge is what are you going to do in that area of your life? And I want to make a very specific challenge for you because you wrote something down in your box. You wrote something down in your box. And I want to ask, what is one step that you can take today as it relates to that box? Not this week, not next week, not something you can talk about, something you can think about. What's one thing you can do today, a step you can take today, and do it today, whatever that is. Because as we begin to act, rather than talk about it, rather than think about begin to act, we actually can begin to see progress made in that area of our lives. And so what I'm going to do here for the next minute is I'm going to give you space. Rather than figuring it out later on, I'm going to give you a minute right now, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at that thing you wrote down in your box, and I want you to decide one action step you can take today in relation to that area, okay? So maybe you want to, maybe it's one of the three points. Maybe you want to make a plan. Maybe you need to get counsel. Maybe you're just going to start. Whatever it is, circle one of those things. Maybe there's something else that you can do in that area, very specific that you can do today. I want you to write it down on that card for you, all right? But I'm going to give you one minute to do that, okay? Go ahead and take one minute, and then I'm going to, I'm going to rally us back together in a moment.
I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. <laughs> Do you remember at the beginning of the message I said, this works for everything except for one thing. Okay. There's one area where your diligence will never get the job done. And that comes to the salvation of your very soul. Can, diligence is required if you're going to live faithfully for Christ. But saving your soul is not something you can diligence your way into. There's nothing you can do to solve your spiritual problem. The fact that you are spiritually dead, there is nothing you way, no way you can be diligent enough to raise yourself back to life. In fact, it says this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so here this morning, as we talk about this idea of success and diligence, I don't want to lose sight of the most important step that any of us can take, and that is to surrender our life to Jesus, to begin a journey. Does it take diligence to follow Jesus? Absolutely. But the beginning starts on him. It's receiving the gift of salvation through submission to his lordship in your life. And so if you're here this morning and you're ready to take that step, you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus and say, God, I want to step into this thing. When service is over with, I'm going to stand right here. And I will wait here for you. And I would love the opportunity to connect with you and help you begin a journey of faith. It's the most important decision you can ever make. There's no success that you could experience on this earth that could meet what you receive as a gift from Christ alone. All right? But I want to pray a prayer over you as as you head out this morning. I want to pray that God would help you be faithful to do that thing, whatever it is you wrote down. And that my prayer is that six months from now, a year from now, we could share the story. Some of you if, you, if you start seeing success, I want you to come tell me the story. Tell me the story of what God has been doing in your life as you were obedient to what he has asked of you, all right? Can we pray together? God, we thank you so much. God, that you are always inviting us to your, to your story and to, your, uh, to better things, Lord, that you have planned. And so, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, not just to simply try, try something because we have to, but to step into what you're asking of us. God, that we would respond to your wisdom for living. And God, the result would be greater success in the areas that maybe we've been struggling with. Lord, I pray for marriages, that there would be health. God, I pray for families, that there would be health. God, I pray for bodies, that there would be health. Lord, I pray uh, for finances, that there would be health. And Lord, I pray for minds, that there would be health. Whatever the steps are that need to be taken place, God, I pray that you would help people do that. And Lord, I pray for those who really just feel like they want to know you more. They want to dig into a deeper relationship. They want to get in the word more. They want to spend more time in prayer. God, I pray the result of this would be a deeper intimacy with Christ, something they've never experienced before. And God, I pray that you would transform them, their lives, and their sphere of influence, we pray. We ask that, God, may we be the kind of church that follows after you in everything we've got. We pray that in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.